my intro music comes on late. Okay, well, I'm glad I still don't have that down uh, for all you listeners who were checking me out when we were doing the Home Run the Jewels Fantasy Baseball podcast. You know that I'm either terrible at getting this intro music to start or I'm just cursed. Uh, We've got a different uh, topic uh, to talk about tonight, and it's not baseball. We're talking fantasy football. It's August. Training camps are open. Preseason games have been played. So we are going to uh, really get into the whole strategy, how you're picking, how we're picking. Uh, I've got a fellow so-called fantasy expert expert on the line. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself, give us your Twitter handle, and uh, then we'll get into some of the topics. Hey, it's uh, Matt Modica. Uh, Twitter handle is at CTM Baseball. Uh, looking forward to talking some football as the season approaches, and uh, two weeks from tomorrow, I'll be flying into New York to do some NFFC uh, auctions and drafts, and I'm pretty pumped for that. Oh, that's pretty awesome. I got to say, I've never done a uh, an auction draft for football. I've only stuck to baseball, so I might have to pick your brain a little bit on that. But um, I think, Matt, were you my first interview I did for baseball back in, like, February? Is that you? Yes, sir. Okay, see, full circle. You're always the first guest whenever it comes whenever it comes to a new season. Um, but it's still pretty early. I know some people probably have been doing drafts and have got burned on various injuries like Arian Foster, Kevin White. Um, I know Kelvin Benjamin just got beat up. So we're going to try to give you some advice on how, you know, to get around those, get around other questions you may be having or you may run into down the, down the road when you're drafting. Um, and the one that I've run into most so far this season is where I think the best spot to have my draft pick is. Uh, I used to be a fan of just dead smack in the middle. Uh, I used to miss out on the tight end run or the the defense run a lot of times. Um, so that, that always sucked for me. But, you know, as you get older, you do this a little more, you can find some, some deep, deep options. Um, before I tell you where I like to draft, Matt, what's what's your preferred draft slot? Do you care? Do you like being first? Do you like being last? Uh, what are you hoping to get when you you know go into that uh, snake draft? In a uh, twelve-team league, I thought this season coming in, I would like to more towards the end, but uh, I have drafted usually in the top six, and I kind of really like the fourth spot, especially in the PPR league. Uh, and in the NFC, in the NFFC as well, uh, wide receivers go off the board extremely uh, fast. So I kind of want to have uh, an Antonio Brown or a Julio Jones or a Des Bryant on my team. So in, in getting a, either a number four pick or a top six pick, that usually will make me solidify that spot. So And then in the second round, sometimes – a Jeremy Hill will fall to you, but he's moving up. Or even like thinking of Mike Evans, I, I'm I'm not averse to going 
wide receiver, wide receiver in the PPR league. Oh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I thought you were going to say back end of the first round, um, which you, you sort of did. But I, I've in my you know mock drafts and early drafts I've done, I've liked towards the end. Um, I find when you get if I had like a top five six pick, once it gets back to me in that second round, I'm not thrilled with a, a lot of the guys. Like if a Jeremy Hill had fallen to me, stuff like that would be great. But not a lot of times that has happened for me. Um, so I, I like trying to get. You know, of those receivers you said, I like trying to see if Julio Jones will fall or Des Bryant will fall. Grab them, maybe even Demarius Thomas at like eight. Grab them and then take, uh, make sure I get a Jeremy Hill or make sure I get, you know, if I really, really wanted to, go Andrew Luck really early in the second round and just lock up those two positions. Um, I know, you know, then you got to wait a long time for your third and fourth picks, but, uh, I don't know. I kind of just like getting those two top, you know, 15 guys right off the top and setting my uh, my team on those. Um, but everybody has their own preferences. Yeah, so. I think that's pretty much – format does play a role. Like, if you're playing standard, obviously the running backs are going to be much more heavy, heavier valued. But in a PPR format, I definitely want that elite receiver. To me, it's kind of like in baseball when they say – Pitching is deep, it's deep, but there's elite, and then there's, you know, there's that fall-off. Yeah. So I want to have, and I think the the uh, wide receiver, the, the elite guy, is less of a health risk. Obviously, in football, like we saw today with Kelvin Benjamin, you know, even in a non-contact, you could just tear your ACL. But, yeah. you know, you, you can be scared. Well, you brought up something interesting there, because uh, in a couple of the mocks I've done, I usually have I've taken a receiver in the first round. Um, running back kind of confuses me a little bit with those top guys. And then sort of that top of the second group of guys, I'm kind of murky on. So I've been taking receivers. Um, but I find late in drafts, there's still some pretty decent receiving options left when running back's pretty thin. Uh, do you think receiver has enough um, – What's word am I looking for? It's like enough, not depth, but enough value at the end that you might think, hey, I'm just going running back, running back the first round. Uh, it, obviously not a PPR league, just a standard league. Going running back, running back, getting those out of the way and uh, hoping to find some rookie sensations down at the uh, sixth, seventh, eighth round. You know, I mean, in, in a standard league, if it's two running backs, two wide receivers, and say like one flex, but even in a standard league, if you have to start three wide receivers, it gets kind of tough. It's like starting five outfielders in baseball. You know, even though there'll be outfielders there, you do want to have a couple of, you know, top guys. And, like, in a, in a standard league at the wide receiver position, uh, Julio's my two in a PPR, but I flip him and Dez back and forth. And Dez Bryant in a standard league, I would love to have, just for the fact he is a touchdown machine. I mean, he's averaged 14 touchdowns over the last three seasons. So it's not a fluke. It's more of a skill for him. Yeah, I saw somewhere and, I saw somewhere that said he had 21 passes thrown to him in the red zone, and I think 14 of those turned into touchdowns last year, maybe 14 or 15. Um, I think I may have saw that on Grantland with Bill Barnwell. But something, some insane number, like he's catching, turning it into a touchdown two out of every three times. Um, yeah, he's pretty much 
and he's pretty much uncoverable in the uh, red zone. And, I mean, I do expect the Cowboys to throw the ball more this year. Last year, in my opinion, was a perfect storm, the running game and DeMarco Murray. And I, I think Tony Romo's going to throw the ball. So he'll have, he'll have a, a better season. I think Jason Witten's numbers can only go up. I know he's getting old, but he's still the safety blanket. And I don't see Run DMC staying healthy. Joseph Randall is a guy that I will draft in the mid-fifth round that's current ADP. I think that's worth a shot considering the uh, Dallas offensive line. And I I don't mind having a piece. I mean, when you get to like the mid-fifth round, I've been looking at guys like T.J. Yeldon, a Joseph Randall. Todd Gurley was there, but he's slipping now that he's not going to be ready. Everybody kind of knew that. But, I mean, a T.J. Yeldon, as great as he sounds, and he might be a third down back, he's on Jacksonville. I'll take the upside swing with Joseph Randall, given the chance. Yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of debate between Latavius Murray of Oakland and Joseph Randall. And I, I agree with you. You've got to – obviously – Murray might have a little more talent than Randall, but Randall has that Dallas offensive line. Um, and that's got to be good for something. I am a little concerned with Tony Romo and the throwing so much, not so much, um, you know, the yards and stuff, but he's had interception problems before. And he uh, takes some big hits. I don't know if dropping it back that many times would be good for him, his value. But, again, I guess I just got to lean on that offensive line and hope that the uh, – they can give him some protection in his ability to protect the ball last year. He can, he can repeat it. Do you, um, you think he's a top 10 quarterback this year? Yeah, I'd have to put him inside the top 10. I mean, what, if you wait on the quarterback and you're coming down to, like, a Romo or an Eli, I'd rather have Romo over Eli. I mean, Eli is a guy, in my opinion, who is – just too much of a wild card. He can be really good, and he can also be really bad. And I know the Giants, if Victor Cruz is healthy and Ruben Randall's in the contract year, and I do like Ruben Randall this year as like a, a later-round guy for, for, for a wide receiver. But, I mean, I just watch too much of Eli. There's good Eli and there's bad Eli. And, like I said, I just think Tony Romo's – has has that line to protect them. I know they're better with the run versus the pass, but I'm usually taking I'm, – I'm usually targeting Ben Roethlisberger as my quarterback, and he's starting to move up the draft boards now too. He was more of like a early sixth round. Man, and I just think that. Pittsburgh is just so loaded on Matt, I think you're uh, you're cutting out a little bit. So um, let me talk for a little bit. We'll see if you come back in. Um, I, I I'm not sure I'm so high as you are on Roethlisberger simply because uh, I guess oh, what's his last the second receiver Martavius Bryant. He was a boomer bust guy last year um, playing you know daily with him a lot last season. Some weeks I looked like a genius. Some weeks he was catching three passes for nine yards, which isn't what I was really hoping for. Obviously um, they have probably the best receiver in the league and Antonio Brown. I know he put up like a historically good season last year. So I think they'll probably be a little 
drop back from that. But, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger's pretty nasty. The way he carved up some of those defenses last year, and, you know, that connection between him and, and uh, Bryant is has really been uh, solidified over the years. So I don't think I would – I'm personally not targeting him, but if I ended up with Ben Roethlisberger, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, I'd probably rather have him than, like, Cam Newton, uh, Eli Manning, probably 50-50 with Tony Romo. Do you, do you think – well, first, are you back? Can we hear you, Matt? You still here? Uh, I'm here. Do you hear me good now? Yeah, yeah, you're good. All right. So did you just hear my whole little uh, anti Roethlisberger yeah, rant? I heard, I heard your whole uh, your, uh, thing on the Steelers. And the reason why I'm high on the Steelers is the offensive line has been solidified. It's much improved. Ben's not getting beat up like he used to in the past. You have Antonio Brown. I think Martavis Bryant will only get better. I'm not so much a believer in Marcus Wheaton, but after the first two games of the season, you'll get Le'Veon Bell back. And the Steelers' defense is not good, so I think <laughs> they're going to have to keep throwing the balls. Yeah, I didn't take that into account. They'll have to probably win some shootouts. Um, I don't know. I'm just I, – I think a problem I have with it is that I've never – thought of Roethlisberger as the guy who can um, make plays for his receivers as opposed to having receivers make plays for him. Like, you know, Tom Brady doesn't have the best guys, but he he throws them open. He puts them in good spots. Uh, and I think Roethlisberger probably should be looked at like that by me, but I don't – I just don't have a great um, mental picture of him. But, I mean, he's won two roles. He's thrown for tons of yards. I think he put up like two of the three most point totals last year for a quarterback. So he's de- he's definitely good. It's just uh, I don't know. It's like a it's a mental thing with me. Yeah, he played last season tied with Breeze for the most passing yards. He tied for most passing yards per game at like three oh nine. And I think that's Todd Haley offense. He's now he's now they've totally transformed. And I, I think it's going to be uh, – I think it will only get better, in my opinion. They had plenty of chances for in the fourth zone, and, and they didn't. And if they build on that, that's another reason why I like this year. Well, it should be interesting to see how the uh, those first two games go without Bell. Um, if they try to play it, you know, a little safer, so they don't want to fall too far behind, or they're just like, well, we have no running game. We're just going to throw it every time. I know they got D'Angelo Williams in there. But I'm not sure how much uh, faith I'm putting in him. Um, while we're on the Steelers, where where would you put Bell overall for running back? Um, obviously, if he was probably playing all 16, he'd be top, the number one guy. But missing those two, where where would you uh, – how would he stack up against those other top three or four guys? I, in the PPR, I have him as my number one overall still. I just think the uh, – the, the the point total he's still going to get is going to be there. I know it's tough the first two weeks not having it. In a standard league, I would go with Adrian Peterson. I'm, just, I'm on board with the whole mindset that Peterson is pissed off. Or, you know, he's got something. And really well the Minnesota's offense. I think they are still on the rise. I think getting Mike Collins, the uh, guy that stretches the offense, is a great addition. 
They have Charles yeah. Johnson and, and even a late so guy. People, Harry, Harry, Harry. People like their offense. All right, that's pretty interesting. I think it would be a very interesting draft um, situation. That's not the right word, but to, to take your first, have the first overall pick in a PBR league and draft a uh, a guy who's not going to be there the first two weeks. Because then, when when do you get that actual starting running back for those two weeks? Kind of thing. So maybe in one of my mocks, I'll try that out. Just seeing uh, how how early I'd want to, you know, be like, oh, I'm not really sure I want to toss out these first two weeks of losses, waiting for uh, Bell to get back, but. Yeah, I think he's... Yeah, but I think there are guys you could find to fill in. I mean, it's not an easy task. And Trey Mason would be a great guy for that. Though he doesn't have to keep very tough matchups to start off the season. But even a guy like Ryan Matthews, I think, will have standalone value this year. And a guy that I will be talking about. Yeah, yeah, especially in a PPR. Um, my deep, deep PPR favorite I've had for a couple of years has been... Uh, Danny Woodhead on San Diego. Uh, they like throwing some dump down passes, some screens, so you get the point for the catch. And that guy is very hard to tackle. First of all, he's very hard to cover in space. He's even harder to tackle. So I've liked um, his ability. Yeah, Danny Woodhead. Danny Woodhead. Just to stick with that point for a second. I mean, what he did in 2013. He he was an amazing PPR back. He was he was just a, he, he put the points up on the. Yes. Oh, he was targets, great. Reception, targets and yards. I mean, he was up in the top five pretty much all of them. So, I mean, for, for, for uh, running back. So that's, that's something, you know, he's coming back. Melvin Gordon hasn't proved that he can pass the test, so he will be the third down back. Yeah, and in, in 2013, he really didn't, for most of the season, he wasn't playing more than third down. So, you know, if he gets a lot of action, I'm a huge Danny Woodhead fan. Um and he's actually good in, in the red zone as well, not to forget that. He, he seems to, you know, once they're inside the 10, he seems to find a, he find, he finds a way to get into the end zone. So that's another thing. I, God, I'm such a Danny Woodhead fan. Uh, in 2013, he caught a – I play in like a 20-team league, one of my leagues. He caught a third – on a third and 17, he caught a 10-yard screen pass on Monday night, won me the week, and I got into the playoffs – on that one stupid play. So Danny Wood has always had a, uh, a special, special place in my heart. Um, oh, that's probably, awesome. Yeah, right? Like the little stupid the stupid move or the stupid uh, plays from some random week nine victory that I won by six points. Like that, Danny Wood, I should get a tattooed on my arm. Um, <laughs> where was I going with this? And, oh, I think it's going to be interesting. It'll really depend on how he comes back from his knee, but he, he's been out for over a year, um, or almost a year. So he should be healthy. He might struggle in the first couple of weeks because people say it takes about a year to come back. But I think a lot of people are forgetting about him in San Diego because of, uh, like you said, Melvin Gordon's presence there. But it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Um, but sort of sticking in the the topic of running backs who are going to be out. Uh, Arian Foster was going really high in most drafts until he tore his groin, I think. Um, I heard eight weeks. I heard ten weeks. I heard six weeks. 
where if you saw him on the board, what round would you think you know it's too much value to pass up taking Arian Foster and hopefully you know in the second half of the season getting another top ten running back? I would I probably have to say around the seventh eighth round. I have to strongly consider him. The only problem with Arian Foster has been his his ability is very healthy. I mean, I mean, look at his stats. If you took his name player and player stats, be a top five player or play forward, forward. And he's and another guy that wants to get healthy. Uh, he hurt. He 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 feels right. He feels right. And maybe that maybe that's a good thing as well. Especially thirteen games, but. But, but I'm just I'm really not sure what his timetable is right now, and, and I have I, not been drafting that. But, but as we approach uh, the show, uh, I'm going to have to show we consider him in a 7-8-7 round range. Of course, of course, only out a few games that he could be turned on and done. That's what I'm saying. Nice. You're breaking up a little bit. You still there? I don't want to lose you mid. Uh, yeah, I'm mid- here. Yeah. All right. How about now? I think round eight is probably where I would go with him. Um, maybe late round seven, just because at that time I'm usually taking uh, a third running back. Um, if, I've, if I've already filled up my receivers, my starting running backs, and probably my quarterback by round seven. I usually fill up with just, you know, extra running backs for a couple rounds before I, I like going t- late with tight end. I could see going round eight and holding on to him. I'm like you, I've sort of stayed away just because he does have an injury history. And, you know, I don't know if I want to take a guy in round eight who may only play weeks 12 to 17 and then how effective he could be. He might not come back at full strength. He may, you know, the team may be wanting to limit him because I don't think the Texans are going to be great this year. So it's not like they're going to really be fighting for the division. They may make a push for the wild card. I don't really see that either. So I think it's going to depend on how much they need him back and how much they want to throw him in there. Because if they're out of it by, like, the end of October, I think they'll give him extra time to rest. I think they'll, you know limit his carries, and uh, that's really going to hurt his value. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, is a, it is a very tricky situation, and I'm really not in love with any of the other Texan running backs. I'm not an out of guy. Uh, Chris Paul, Paul, I thought he had some essentials, but, but not a situation I'm in love with. Yeah, the Texans are probably – Guys, it, the Texans, I think, really only have one or two. Actually, they're receivers I am a fan of. I forgot about Jalen Strong and um, Nate Washington. I, it's kind of a sneaky play for a deep receiver. But I don't want anything to do with Alfred Blue or Chris Polk. Um, it sucks for the Texans because uh, they with Foster. That offense could have been pretty good, and you know it would help out all those receivers like DeAndre Hopkins. But without him, that's uh, that's going to be kind of tricky. Um, but like you said, Foster was sort of in that was sort of a tricky guy to judge because of the injury. So he was usually falling out of the first round. Um, earlier, you talked about Jeremy Hill, 
is that uh, your top choice of those top top of the second tier running backs? I know a lot of people are kind of confused with: Do I go Demarco Murray in Philadelphia? Do I go Deshaun um, McCoy in Buffalo? I mean, I don't know if Matt Forte is falling that deep out of the first round. Maybe you throw him in, Jeremy Hill. Uh, would, would you put Jeremy Hill at top of guys like Murray and McCoy? Uh, personally, for me, yes, I would. I'm a big Jeremy Hill fan. Just from watching him last season and seeing what he did, Cincinnati under, you know, they have Hugh Jackson as their offensive coordinator. Uh, they have weapons back in A.J. Green. Marvin Jones is getting healthy. I think that only helps him. I think that opens up the running game. I think he's far superior than uh, Giovanni Bernard. And Bernard will take, you know, some touches away from him, but as Hugh Jackson said this offseason to uh, Jeremy Hill, embrace the hype. And I, I just think he's the perfect fit for that system. He's a he's a NFL-style running back. And if you watched him in the second half of last year, I mean, he, he passed the eye test with flying colors, in my opinion. Yeah, it was pretty amazing how quickly things sort of turned around for uh, – or turned from – all the hype being on Gio Bernard to all the hype being on Jeremy Hill. Uh, and that LSU team really produced some great fantasy players last year with uh, Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry as well. But, yeah, I tend to agree with you with, with Jeremy Hill. I, I'm worried about DeMarco Murray holding up after he, like, carried the ball every other play for an entire season and got run into the ground by Dallas. And I think Buffalo's offense, their quarterback situation, and their offensive line is pretty pretty trashy. So I don't I don't know if he's going to have enough room, or if they're going to have enough empty boxes for him to find room to do anything with. Uh, so I'm staying away of those guys. Would uh, are you would you draft either of them, or are you just prefer Jeremy Hill? I prefer Jeremy Hill. I mean, I'm a Bills fan, and. I want LaShawn McCoy to be really good this season. <laughs> but I just there's just so many questions, like you said, with the offensive line, the quarterback situation. I'm kind of rooting for Tyrod Taylor to win that. And what's really sad in Buffalo is I think Sammy Watkins is an amazing talent who hasn't even scratched the surface. And if he had, say, just an average NFL quarterback or just a slightly above average NFL quarterback, I mean, we could see great things from him. But it all it all depends. I like to take I like to do my rankings for the first two rounds and take who I feel is the best available player. I don't tie myself down to a wide receiver or a running back. Early on, it's always going to be a, a wide receiver in PPR. In standard format, obviously that will change. Running backs will be heavier, as I mentioned before. But I think the first two rounds, the best strategy to have is do your rankings for the first two and the players that will get you the most points, in your opinion, are the guys to go after. And like you said, DeMarco Murray, between the playoffs and everything and receptions, touched the ball almost like 500 times last year. So, and with the in a Chip Kelly offense, if Ryan Matthews is on the field, he's going to stay on the field for that series because he's just so up-tempo and run-and-gun style. So that's why I'm going Jeremy Hill. I think he's going to get all the ends, all the, all the red zone carries. He's going to get the bulk of the, of the uh, carries in Cincinnati. 
And you, Jackson, loves to run the ball. Yeah, I definitely uh, could agree with that. I think the the DeMarco Murray situation is pretty interesting to me, simply because he is in a Chip Kelly offense. So we all know what happens when I, that that offense gets rolling. So, you know, I can I can see myself being um, not tantalized, but like. I sort of salivate over what he could do. Uh, he put up so many yards last year. Could he, like, could he do something like that again in that up-tempo, just move the ball, defenses are never ready kind of kind of situation. But at the same time, he has almost never stayed healthy. Last year, he stayed healthy, I think, for 16 out of the 17 games. Um, they played in the regular season, plus the two playoff games. Her, yeah, so... He's not a guy that uh, I want on my team. I'll probably hate having to play him at some point in the regular season, but it's just too much risk for me. Um, And I, too, want Tyrod Taylor to win, simply because I think, what are your other quarterbacks? Matt Castle and um, E.J. Manuel. I know pretty much what I'm getting with those guys. Tyrod Taylor, he can move around. He can can run. That could be kind of uh, interesting uh, in Buffalo. But uh, I feel – well, first, I'm sorry for sort of insulting your team to you, but I'm not sure uh, Sammy Watkins is going to have a great – or not as great of a season as he could have if he had somebody like – just like even an Alex Smith or um, maybe even a Derek Carr in Oakland, just somebody like that who just seemed competent. Uh, I'd be much higher on him. And even Robert Woods, I think he's pretty – a pretty good uh, number two or, or slot guy. Um, yeah, Robert Woods is, is is very underrated. He catches, he, you know, the ball is thrown and he catches it. And I agree. Yeah. Watkins is just a victim of not having a not having an NFL caliber quarterback. No, oh, poor poor Sammy. It always sucks. I mean, besides being, you know, bad for fantasy sports, it sucks. Um, having somebody great like that. Like Sammy Watkins, just not have a, a quarterback to throw the ball to him. So we'll have to see how that season plays out. And uh, for him, will you be drafting uh, Sammy Watkins this year? A little bit of hometown uh, pride on your team? Honestly, I've, I've done quite a few uh, draft champion leagues, which is pretty much like best ball in, in the NFC, NFFC. And I only took Watkins once. I took him in my last one. Just because I wanted to have him on one of my teams, but for the most part, I probably will not. Especially if I go, if I take the two wide receivers in the first two rounds, then I'm probably going to go running back where Sammy Watkins would go. And I mean, there are there are a couple of good running backs, you know, after the first two rounds. Like you got you got uh, out in Miami. I think Lamar Miller is going to get the ball more this year. It's his contract year. <clears throat> that offense is suited perfect for him. I'm in love with Latavius Murray. I am buying the hype. I'm riding the train. And it's kind of crazy to be very excited for an Oakland Raider player in fantasy. It's usually the black hole for that. Yeah. But I'm on board and I'm buying. What, what is with the hype? I don't get it. Why is everybody so high on Latavius Murray? Well, I think it's he has – Pretty much the full package. He can play in in the passing game. He doesn't have to come out. I know they have Roy Hulu, 
But he has that home run hitter. It's rare. I mean, he can take the ball and take it to the house on any play. He just hasn't had the consistency. Uh, the Raiders are a team you really can't trust, but I think they have no better options, and he's going to get the chance. And I think given the chance, with his talent level, I mean, it's still somewhat of a risky pick, all things considered. But come the fourth round, if he is, if he's there early in the fourth, which he has been, but he is picking up a little, I, I would take him and, you know, be very happy to have him as as my running back, too. If I can get him as my running back, too, that's, uh, that's a situation I'm very happy with. Yeah, and while it is kind of risky, all the uh, running backs around that time are, are going to be kind of risky. Um, or I said quarterbacks. Any running backs around that time are going to be risky. So I don't I don't think it's like a terrible idea to you know, go for a guy you think has a lot of upside, a lot of ability to, you know, break those big plays because those can be huge. If you only, you only need one a game to really have a good day. Uh, and I also think that Oakland offense should be better. Derek Carr in his second year, Amari Cooper, hopefully – you know, taking some guys out of the off the line of scrimmage, pushing them back into coverage, because he so far from camp looks like the real deal. So I could see it. I could see Oakland becoming uh, less of a black hole and maybe even have like several viable players. So um, it should be interesting to see how Oakland plays out. But I got to say. I don't know. I just I think the the Oakland thing is just too it weighs on me too much to take an Oakland Raider in the the fourth or fifth round. So I haven't ended up with Murray in most of my drafts. But um, I know our coworker Jason Meller over or a so-called fantasy experts. I ran into him at uh, the FSTA conference back in June, and he was talking about Latavius Murray then. So a lot of the guys here like him. I didn't take him in our so-called fantasy experts football draft, but uh, maybe I have to do a little more research, find out why so many people are all hyped up on him. Yeah. I'm pretty much well invested in uh, in him so far. This in, in early drafts I've done, you know, especially in in a best ball format. I think those are the type of guys where you have to go after. You have to go for the potential. You know, having a safe team. You know is okay, but if you want to win, you have to, you know, you have to buy on certain potential at certain points. Yeah. And yeah, I just realized that some people who are listening may not know what a best ball format is. Uh, why don't you break it down for us so we can uh, make sure everybody's on the same page? Yeah. Best ball format is pretty much you just draft. It could be a draft of, say, 35 rounds, 26 rounds, where you draft a full team you never, you never set up a lineup. You have, you have the optimal lineup. You're given the optimal lineup each week. Yeah. So say if you drafted Andrew Luck in the second round and later on you took Teddy Bridgewater. If Teddy Bridgewater scored 45 points one week and Andrew Luck only scored 30, you're going to get Teddy Bridgewater's 45 points that week. Yeah, I kind of like Maybe that. Maybe I'm a little Teddy Bridgewater, well. but I'm saying Hey, if he scores 45 points in any week this season, Matt, uh, you're coming on the podcast that very next Wednesday to talk about how you predicted this. Um, but I do like the best ball thing with – it takes out a little bit of the uh, 
the worrying and the constant debating, who do I start this week when there's no clear choice? So that's, that's always kind of nice, but I sort of do like the debating because other, I find other people tend to make uh, stupid choices too. So you could benefit from them, but you could definitely get burned by somebody would have started Andrew Luck and Teddy Bridgewater had 45 points on their bench and you could win that week when you probably shouldn't have. But anyway, uh, Murray, interesting play. Not sure he's for me, but we'll, um, we'll see when this goes or how his season goes. And if I look stupid or if I look smart, hopefully for your sake, I look stupid. Um, <laughs> we've figured out how you filled out the rest of your team. When are you taking a quarterback in these drafts? Because it seems like you're taking a lot of receivers, a lot of running backs, uh, early. Do you, do you, do you automatically, once you fill up your running back and receiver slots, do you just go quarterback or would you fill bench slots before, um, you know, if quarter, if a lot of quarterbacks are still available, would you fill up, you know, maybe take a spec play on, you know, a Joseph Randall or, uh, TJ Yeldon. Well, I usually I don't really like to tie myself down to you know planning it all out. I you know I hate saying it, but you got to let the draft come to you. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just true. I mean, pretty much Roethlisberger will be my target, and that's a decision come like fifth sixth round. If I don't get Ben Roethlisberger, then I'll wait for say a, a Tony Romo. If I go Tony Romo or an Eli Manning, I do want to back them up with, you know, say, a, a Teddy Bridgewater or a Colin Kaepernick. I mean, Kaepernick this year could could actually be a really good uh, value. I think San Francisco is going to have to throw the ball. They're going to be playing from behind. They got Torrey Smith there now. Antoine Bolden catches 80 passes every year. And Vernon Davis is in a contract year, and, you know, the guy is still talented. So he does have weapons. He does have an incredibly strong arm, and he can run the ball. Yeah, I think the running ability of Kaepernick will probably be on display a little more this year because uh, they lost two offensive linemen this offseason. They're both pretty important. I think he may be running for his life at times. But that might not be the worst. That might not be the worst thing. Uh, I feel like last year he tried to be a little bit too much of, you know, oh, I'm just going to stay in the pocket, be a prototypical guy. When he's not a prototypical guy, he has, even, depending on what you think of a few other guys, he might be the most athletic quarterback in the entire NFL. So I want him out there on the edge. I want him running, maybe not as many designed runs, but if he drops back. He sees there's no linebackers on the whole left side of the field. Just take off. That's what I would like. Uh, just seeing him play football, sort of like that first that first year where he was filling in for Alex Smith and he was just uh, taking whatever he could find. Um, so, hopefully, if they play like that, I'm on the Catholic I mean, Sam, Bradford, Sam Bradford's a guy I would like to have some shares of. I do want to see him get on the field and actually play in a game. Uh, I know he's scheduled to play uh, this upcoming weekend. And like we were talking earlier with the Eagles offense, you know, it's so enticing. But, I mean, I'm just a little – if I want him as, say, my second quarterback. Or if you, you, know, if you take him, you know, you have to have some, some somebody else there 
And I, I know Mark Sanchez played well last year, but I'm really not sold on Sanchez. And he looked terrible this uh, first preseason. <laughs> I don't think anybody is sold on Mark Sanchez, except for maybe Mark Sanchez. Um, but then I think what you said about letting the draft come to you is, is really something people need to understand. And it, it takes a little bit of time to figure out how to adjust on the fly to get the, uh, the best possible team. Because you could plan it out and you could see, I don't know, maybe nobody wants to take that second quarterback. So you see Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers fall to the end of the third round. You may want to grab him there. Um, I can speak to this with a lot of firsthand experience because there is a, in my office where I work at my day job, there is a, a female-only fantasy football league. Uh, so the first year they did it, it was a laughing stock. People were starting Geno Smith because they liked the Jets or uh, they were playing like cute quarterbacks, all like stereotypical girl things. Last year they had all their boyfriends help them uh, so I was recruited as a GM and trying to like explain, like write out a draft plan for somebody is so hard. They're trying to say, all right, first round, take this person, second round, this third round, this fourth round, this, because you can make a good team that way. But like, you never know who's going to fall to you that if you were sitting there at yourself or if you were adjusting on the fly, you'd be like, I'm definitely taking this guy. It'd be stupid not to, um, so everybody needs to adjust. Don't just, you know, go with the, what you wrote down two months before. Because um, you'll get a good I team that that's way. That's where like, tiers into play. If you, if you set up tiers versus, yeah. you know, you don't have, I mean, if, if there's a similar guy, you, you're not always going to get your guy. Everybody else, you know, everybody, the word sleeper has pretty much become ir- irrelevant now. And, you know, everybody has, everybody hears the buzz. I mean, with the, with the information that's available, so you can't really be stuck on one particular guy. And there are very there are guys that are very similar, you know, that are going to get you pretty much based on say your projections or if you follow somebody else's projections, the same lineage of points in that group. And that's what you're basically looking for when it all when it's all said and done. You know, you're trying to field a team with players that are going to get you the most points. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think the sleeper, the idea of sleepers is totally dead. Uh, I think, I don't know what I would call it, but the the way you have to win now, it's not finding the sleepers, it's finding more value per round than everybody else. So maybe a, your a guy that you had in your second tier falls to when you think there's only third tier guys left to take that. Just, just finding guys in value where there probably shouldn't be value, or as much value, I should say. So, again, that goes back to just adjusting on the fly. The tier thing, I'm a big fan of it because if you get stuck on, I just want, I don't know, I want Jordan Matthews of the Eagles, that's harder to have, like, draft him. You may reach for him earlier than you should because of who, like, of how the draft is going, as opposed to saying, I want you know, 75 catches, 10 touchdowns, and 1,200 yards, that's easier to find. And you're not attaching a name to it and saying, I need to get, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. because I like the way his name is. It's easier just to find the, the production as opposed to the player. That, that's something I've always done. 
just sort of say, okay, who, who's going to give me the most here? It doesn't matter whose name, whose team, kind of stuff like that. I know it's cliche. I know it's what every NFL GM, whoever drafts anybody in the uh, NFL draft says, but it's pretty true. You can't fall in love with anybody. Um, so we've gone over where we think where everybody's going to be picking. Um, Actually, we didn't talk about tight ends. What do you what do you think about tight ends? You just kind of let them fall to you whenever you uh, see them. I tend to go. I think I've taken just the, the red zone threat guys most of my drafts, like Larry Donnells or um, uh, Jordan Camerons. Do you uh, have any sort of plan for tight ends? Uh, the guy I'd love to have is Travis Kelsey, but. I find myself taking a running back there because, like I said, depending upon how it's playing out for me. But if I wait on the tight end position, I really want to own some shares of Austin Safarian Jenkins. I know uh, he's got a rookie quarterback in Jameis Winston. I know last year he he was his rookie season, but I think he's going to make the step up. I think he's a physical specimen. I think he's a perfect uh, red zone target. And when you have Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson on the outside and you put him up the seam, I think he's a guy that if I have to wait in a position, I'll try and grab him and maybe like a a veteran-type guy as well, just in case he doesn't pan out. But Travis Kelsey, to me, is very enticing, especially in that Kansas City offense. Gronkowski has been falling to the middle of the second round now. With all this Tom Brady stuff still unsettled, so if Gronk continues to fall, and I'm picking late in the second round, and he happens to pop up somewhere around there, that's going to be hard to pass on, just because the advantage that he gives you at that at that position, and whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo throwing him the ball, he's just such a mismatch that I think he can still be effective. And I I don't see Brady being out more than two games. I think they'll come to some sort of agreement where it, it's, it, it'll come down to, like, say, a, a two-game suspension at most. Yeah, I think the suspension will probably get reduced. But uh, we were talking about Dez Bryant earlier. We were talking about how he was just a monster in the red zone. Ditto goes for Gronkowski, man. That guy, I don't know how anybody ever stops him from just coming down with the ball when they're inside the 10-yard line. Um, he's an interesting case because I don't know where I would want to pick him. I don't think I'd want to take him at the, you know, back into the first round, but maybe top into the second, mid-second. I could see going with him. It's, uh, I don't know the, the the suspension thing. While I don't think it plays too much of a factor, I just kind of always fade fade tight ends. I think if I can get a, I personally like Jordan Cameron on the Dolphins this year. I think he was in a bad situation last year on Cleveland. The quarterbacks were changing. He got hurt the Johnny Manziel thing. But two seasons ago, he was great. He was uh, tons of touchdowns. I think a top seven tight end. Um, and now he's in Miami. Ryan Tannehill looked pretty good in his couple uh, seasons. They've added some more receivers in Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker is hurt. Hopefully he can get ready for early season. But uh, that would be my tight end choice just because you can get him a little later. And, you know, I really, unless I'm getting Gronkowski, I really don't want to invest too much in 
my tight end. I think there's more upside and value uh, elsewhere. So the Gronkowski thing should be pretty interesting. Yeah, I agree with uh, Jordan Cameron. I mean, he is is a very talented tight end. The concussion thing is an issue for me, but like you said, I think he he fell into the perfect system in Miami. Ryan Tannehill, his strength is not throwing the ball deep, and that's why Mike Wallace was such a horrible fit in Miami and is such a perfect fit in Minnesota now. And Jarvis Landry and Jordan Cameron – I think I'm going to see the majority of the balls. And Devontae Parker, he was just taken off the pup list today. So I think if we're looking at one guy that could be this year's, say, Odell Beckham Jr., I'd have to say out of the rookie receivers, I'd probably go Devontae Parker as making that splash where maybe he misses the first game or two of the season and then steps in and performs that. I'm yeah, not saying he's going to be at at a, at a high level possibly. See, my pick for Odell Beckham Jr. 2.0 is uh, Prashad Perriman on Baltimore. Um, Joe Flacco could throw the ball like as far as he needs to, and Perriman's a big receiver who can fly down the field and tends to exceed or excel making catches in you know jump ball situations. And they don't have a lot else there. They, they, I know they still have Steve Smith, but this is his last season. They have um, not oh God, who's there? I don't even know any of their other receivers besides Perriman. Um, yeah, so is getting some play now. Kamir Aiken, I might be botching his first name a little, but he's a guy that's you know starting to get drafted in like you know those late teens, mid to late teens. Just because, like you said, the Ravens don't have many options. And Steve Smith, as great as he was for the first six games of the season, kind of disappeared the last ten. Yeah, but, I mean, he's, what, like 36? He can't – he's a 5'10", 36-year-old wide receiver. It gets uh, kind of tough. Um, but, yeah, Perriman's the wide receiver I am going after. And I really do like Parker. It's just that injury kind of worries me. Enough where if I see both of them on the board in the same round, I'm, t- I'm leaning towards Perriman. Um, but, yeah, if, if Parker can get on the field, that offense is going to be loaded, and he he also is a burner. Once he gets the ball in his hands, he is tough to bring down. Um, and the best part about him, in my opinion, is that when he gets his hands on the ball, he brings it in so, so often. That guy just has huge hands, and is fantastic at catching the ball with his hands. He doesn't let it get into his body, doesn't let it, you know, bounce around. He bring, he just brings it down smoothly. And that, you know, it's something to be um, – people probably don't think about, but, you know, if that's an extra two, two, three catches a game, that's a lot of points you could just be leaving on the, the table if somebody else is juggling these. Oh, uh, sure. I mean, there's a lot of weeks it comes down to just just a couple of points. And, you know, if if you play in half point, uh, in leagues with, like, fractions of points, which I think everybody should, there's no reason to have ties. Okay. <laughs> so a point or two here, you know, doesn't make a huge difference. So hopefully he can get healthy. Um, I'm sure he'll make a lot of owners very happy if he does. 
But, um, yeah. So I think for the first podcast, this went pretty well. It went better than our first uh, baseball podcast, where I think I had pop-up music coming on every 20 minutes. Um, so we'll wrap this one up. Matt, I appreciate you coming on. We are going to try to do these every Wednesday night, maybe a little more if necessary. It might change around the – well, A, we might change around the name. We need a new name because the so-called Fantasy Experts Fantasy Football Podcast is a mouthful. Um, <laughs> so if you guys, listeners out there, have any ideas, hit us up on Twitter, at so-called Fantasy Experts, or so-called Fantasy X, I think, uh, and so-called fantasy experts on Facebook. Give us some ideas. Uh, the early leader in the clubhouse right now is a reference to NWA with straight out of the pocket. Not sure I love it. It has a great um, not image. What's the word I'm looking at? Logo. So that's always a plus. Um, but if you got ideas, hit us up. You can find, shoot them to me at the real Travioli too. I will gladly take your tweets. Um, so we need a new name, but I don't know how often we're going to want to do these. Maybe we'll do a Monday and a Friday edition to wrap up the week that just happened or, and then, you know, Friday or Thursday or Friday to get you ready for next week kind of thing. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how many guests I can get. Um, people are notoriously hard to get on, uh, on the phone for an hour, Matt. So I appreciate you making some time to, uh, here for you. I, you know, it's great coming on. Very excited for the uh, upcoming season, and just want to wish uh, everybody good luck in the auctions and drafts coming up. And once again, you can follow me at CTM Baseball. I do. I, I like I said, it's I love baseball. I love football. Pretty much love fantasy. So, <laughs> looking forward to it. Yeah, this is a great time of year with fantasy baseball winding down, fantasy football ramping up. Um, so, if you've got questions. Hit us up. We'll gladly give you some advice. Um, but until next week, guys, this is – well, until next week and until we have a new name, this is the so-called Fantasy Experts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hope you guys have uh, got some good tips out of this, and we'll uh, be back next week with more knowledge. Until then, see ya.